Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Just one game in the NHL tonight. And it has the Pittsburgh Penguins up 2-0 on the Ottawa Senators early in the second period. Malkin and Simon, the goal scorers. Penguins dominating this one, out shooting the Senators 15-4. The Edmonton Oilers' last outing was an absolute stinker. They lost 5-1 to the Calgary Flames on the 27th. They will play again tomorrow against the New York Rangers. It's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 5, and the game will start at 7. The Oilers practiced on Saturday. They had their skills competition yesterday. Joachim Nygaard beating Connor McDavid by three one-hundredths of a second to be crowned the Oilers' fastest skater, and another practice today. And after the practice, Leon Dreisaitl talked to the media, and he was hard on himself. You know, obviously I know I've been, you know, pretty <laughs> lately, so, but um, sorry about my word words there, but um, you know, it happens, you know, those stretches, they, they happen, um, you know, maybe it's it's a little too long for, for myself, but, uh, you know, tomorrow's a new day, and, um, you know, us as a line, we're going to go out, work hard, try our best, and, um, you know, try and be a, a, a good line. All right, that is Leon Dreisaitl. I'm sure you can guess the word that he used to describe his own play. It has been tough for Dreisaitl, and it's been tough for the Oilers in large part because they simply do not score first often enough, and they often don't score second or third often enough either. Dave Tippett, head coach. You chase games, and it's uh, you can get away with it sometimes, and we got away with it a few times early, but when you chase games, you're... There's not a lot of, you don't look like a structured team, you don't play as well defensively, you're trying to win. And that's, I mean, you have to understand that from players. They're, you can't be down 4-2 in a game and, oh, let's play good defense. You know, you know it doesn't work that way. All right, plenty more from Tippett and Dreisaitl as we move along tonight. You'll also hear from Kyler Yamamoto and William Lagesson, both called up from the Bakersfield Condors yesterday. Practice today. Yamamoto's going to play tomorrow, likely with Dreisaitl. Lagesson will see. Uh, he, he was in the top six, appeared to be the way the rotation worked at practice on the blue line, but we'll see if he actually does go against the Rangers. My name is Reed Wilkins. Hope your Christmas season has been very good to you and your family, and we welcome back to Inside Sports for 
former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Reading yourself? I am doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show. We have a lot to talk about. It's been poor for the Oilers. It's been poor for Leon. I know plus minus maybe isn't the most popular stat in the world, but he's minus 24 over the Oilers' last 15 games. He came right out and called himself crap, use the uh, harsher yep. word for that. Uh, when you hear a player say that, what do you think, Kelly? Well, first of all, I like the honesty. And so I think that's a good first step. Uh, now, the other thing, and I've talked to you about this before, I just don't want that team to continue. He's taken ownership of it. He's admitted uh, how poorly he's played. He recognizes. He tells everybody it's out in the open now, and uh, let's move on. Uh, I don't like when guys continually beat themselves up, though, and you know this shouldn't be a reoccurring theme every single week where he just puts himself in a ditch and uh, he's too difficult on himself because he's still having an incredible season, 61 points. Only Connor McDavid has more points. So to put it in perspective, yeah, he hasn't been very good. And uh, to your point also, Reed, I don't really pay attention to plus minus. Sometimes there's a, a, a bit of a bit of truth in it, but not normally for me. Um, but I also like what Tippett was saying um, because it is incredibly hard. The game is incredibly difficult when you're chasing, and you know it, and it puts you in a negative mindset. You start going over it in your head, on the bench, during the game, like, why are we doing this? Why are we always behind one nothing or 2 nothing? Um, and, and that's a terrible way to have to approach a game. And you should just, your mind should be free and clear. You shouldn't be thinking a lot. The only thing I disagree with so far with what Tippett has said this year, and I believe it was uh, Friday after the game when they lost badly to the Flames, and he said something like uh, that, he didn't like the fact that they had a horrible morning skate and that it just it just carried over into the the nighttime game. My experience as a player was that it had no bearing on the outcome of the game. Like warm-up has no bearing. Uh, some of your best games are when you have a terrible warm-up, and I don't know if you just scare yourself silly and then you, you, you play great. But uh, I know it was the Edmonton Oilers, and it was Craig McTavish when he was still coach. So this is going way back, Reed. So... They were concerned about that same sort of thing. So they decided, and I can't remember which year, Kevin Lowe would have been the general manager, and they were telling me that they decided to track every single morning skate. So they were going to rate it and see if there's a correlation between a good skate and a bad skate, and they'll come that night. And also, if I remember correctly, they rated every player in the morning skate, and at the end of this year, the conclusion was it had no bearing whatsoever on the outcome. None. Like, there was no trending. There was no, you know, if this happens and this happens, none of it had any bearing. And so I, I do think sometimes uh, people put too much stock into the morning skate. I'm a big believer in practice. Don't get me wrong. On on uh, off days, practices are incredibly important. They have to be done properly. But a morning skate... I think oftentimes the mind is already on the game and it's not about what's happening in the morning skate. It's interesting you brought that up, Kelly, because today I was editing a few highlights from some of the best Oilers moments over the bat, over the past decade, and it's too bad there weren't more of them. Mm-hmm. But I was pulling a couple clips of Ben Scriven's 59-save shutout against San Jose, and I actually <laughs> cut out the clip where he said, I had one of the worst warm-ups I've ever had. I couldn't stop anything. And like the warm-ups, like 25 minutes before the game starts. I know. 
I know it's amazing. And one of the reasons why I stopped watching the other goalie in warm-up was, and I, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I think about it often when I'm up in the booth and just before a game, I'm watching both teams warm up and I'm watching one goalie and uh, Rick Ball might say, oh boy, is that goalie ever terrible tonight? And I always remind him and I, I think that myself, Early on in my career, I was playing for the Islanders. We're at home. We're playing our rivals, uh, the Rangers. John Van Diesbrook is the goalie that night at the other end. I'm watching him in warm-up, and he is horrible. Like, he barely made a save. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be an easy night. They shot us out 3 nothing, and he was the first star and had one of his best games of his young career. And that was a great lesson for me, not to look at the other goalie and try and figure out if he's on or not, because warm-up tells you nothing. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Tippett, I just want to get back to the to the, uh, the 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 quote about about falling behind, and we use it a lot now chasing the game. Yeah. And to me, Kelly, and I'm curious to get your perspective. You know, Rob uses it a lot. I I think chasing the game is more than just being behind by a goal or two. It's getting out of your comfort zone or having to take chances because you're looking at the clock, you're looking at the score for your team, score for the other team, and you're like, oh, I don't know if we have time to be patient anymore. To me, that's what it means as someone who watches. I wonder, like, how would you actually define chasing the game other than saying, well, you're behind a goal or two and you're trying to tie it? Well, for me, uh, in that situation, and we didn't say that back then, so this is relatively new, and I do like the term, by the way, but for me, then the, I was thinking about making a mistake. Oh, we're down 2 nothing. I can't make a mistake. I, I have to make the next save. And although that's typically your mindset throughout a game, but it's even more uh, important now because you, you definitely know it. I, I'll tell you another story. <clears throat> I know I haven't shared this one with you. Uh, I believe it was 1991. We're playing uh, – we had a – fantastic regular season. In fact, I think we won the President's uh, Trophy that year. We're playing Vancouver in the first round. They beat us uh, on home ice um, 6-3 or something. Game two, we're down 2 nothing in the second period, and Vancouver is like, finished 40 points behind us or something like that. Cliff Ronning had a breakaway on me in the second period. Um, so, of course, it would have been 3 nothing, and we were feeling terrible about about ourselves. Home ice advantage did not exist. Our fans were restless. I make the save. We eventually win that game in overtime. Had I not made that save, um, then of course we're now chasing the series. And so there are certain moments that you'll always remember in your career and how important it was that you stopped that the bleeding or the uh, the direction the team was going. And so for that reason, I kind of like that saying uh, chasing because it applies to so many different parts of your game. The Oilers have scored first in 21 games, so half. They're 16-4-1 when they've scored right. first. 4-13-3 when they don't. Uh, you know, St. Louis is 18-0-4 when scoring first. Uh, like, it's just... Yeah. Like LA is not having a good season. When they score first, they're thirteen five and three. Like it's 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 almost it's 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 pretty much seventy five percent that if you score first, you will at least get a point that you will at least go to overtime. And I know it's a cliche, but I, I think it's 
it's absolutely true and it's it's crazy in hockey because there's going to be more than a goal in a game but there's no better indicator of, of who's going to win a game than who routinely gets the first goal it's it's really something now now to turn that around though reed if you were to look at the psychology psychology of it so if you remind your players of that all the time and tell them the stats and the likelihood that they're going to lose if they give up the first goal. Right. What what most likely would they be thinking about if they don't score first? Well, this is terrible. This is terrible. Right. We we right? what are we going to do? We are we are in such a hole now, even though it's only one right? nothing. Yeah. So I wouldn't even bring it up. I I know you would stress the importance of scoring first, but I would not even go into the category of what the odds are. I just completely leave that alone. Because the psychology is so important for an athlete and how they think and what they're thinking during the course of the game. And, and so you've got to give them a reason or reasons not to even go in that direction. Yeah, oh, that's that's a good point. Uh, we'll just keep this to ourselves and hope <laughs> players are listening. Uh, Kelly Rudy joining us at Inside Sports. Want to kid on a couple other things with you. The World Juniors in full swing next year. It's in Edmonton and Red Deer, which is going to be cool. Canada did win mm-hmm. today, four-one over Germany. Canada's two and one. Bounce back from that six-nothing crushing by Russia on the weekend. Canadian captain Barrett Hayden didn't take his helmet off during the Russian anthem. A couple Russian players uh, wouldn't shake his hand. And then Hockey Canada put it on apology. Hayton uh, put out uh, an apology basically saying he was wrapped up in thinking about the loss and, and getting through it. Um, you know, I, don't, I would doubt he would be sitting there thinking about doing something malicious in that moment. But uh, what, what did you think about that whole situation, Kelly? Well, I give him a break because he's a young kid. And so I, I, there's a big part of me that I want uh, our Canadian team to do so well. But the other part of me, I just I grind away and I think, oh, those poor kids, man, that's a lot of pressure. And I know th- this group of uh, hockey players, they've been around a long time at the high end uh, in all these tournaments, and they, most of them have grown up with this sort of pressure, but it still is concerning to me because young players, and, and uh, they make mistakes. And that's what I chalk that up to. I bet when he's my age, I'm going to be 59 this coming month, that he'd probably look back on that and go that that might be one of his big regrets in life that he just got so caught up in the moment as you know he's the captain so as one of the leaders i'm sure he felt uh, personally responsible for what happened humiliated embarrassed all these sorts of things and uh he just got caught up in the moment and uh you know none of us will ever know if he did it on purpose or not and that doesn't matter i just think that when when your emotions get the best of you like that at times you can do uh, uh, silly things, and uh, I give them a, a break on that. All right, tomorrow the Oilers and Rangers play at 7 o'clock on New Year's Eve. We have had games here in Edmonton that start at 8 o'clock on New Year's Eve, and sometimes, uh, you know, obviously several teams will be on the road for New Year's. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts uh, playing on New Year's Eve as a player, yay or nay? Well, I'd prefer no, but the reality is that oftentimes you will. And uh, if, if in fact, I do have to play on New Year's uh, Eve, I, I hope it's at home. So that way, at least after the game's over, we can get together, whether it's with our teammates and our partners and, and so on, and uh, ring in the new year. Uh, because I, I didn't like it on the road. And I'll, I hope this doesn't come across uh, too corny, but I felt, it was too lonely on the road. You know, I'm with my teammates, sure, and that's that's fun, and I like them, and we get along really well, but it's not like you have your family around, and that's a 
you know, something very important. So I remember one time we were playing with L.A. and we're playing in Minnesota. This is before uh, the Wild. This is the North Stars still. And uh, we're staying in a hotel across the parking lot. And uh, we're traveling somewhere else the next day. I think it was New York City. And uh, so the team just rented a, or got a ballroom for us, a little conference room, and we had dinner and a couple drinks. I'm thinking, really, is this, is this what it is? <laughs> like, how <that was> sad. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking to myself, this is what New Year's Eve is now. And it just seemed like, oh, wow, this is not, this is not living at the highest right now. <laughs> Kelly, uh, what, what are we? We're Friday already. Where are you? Uh, I'm home. I work tomorrow. Oh, it's Monday. Chicago's here. Yes, it's, I, it's I, Monday, and then I work at home. Uh, the Rangers, uh, who you guys face tomorrow, they're in uh, Calgary on Thursday. All right. Yeah, I, I honestly forgot what day of the week oh, was same. for a second. Oh, Sometimes I know. Sometimes happens to me during the season. It is, it is Monday. It is Monday. Hey, good to check in with you. We'll do this again next week, man. Thank same, you so buddy. much. You got it. That is the one and only Kelly Rudy checking in tonight on uh, Inside Sports. Always love to hear from him. Some good perspective and some good perspective on uh, falling behind the old chasing the game lingo that you hear so much nowadays and what it means to him. And I was giving out the stats there for team scoring first, and he made a good point. If you're a coach or you're an NHL player, you don't want to see those because you don't want to start thinking, oh, my God, it's one nothing. the game's over. What are we going to do? I am happy to hear from you. Plenty of time for discussion on the Oilers tonight or whatever else you would like to talk about at 780. 780- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text that same number. We're back in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports on six thirty. Chat. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since nineteen sixty two. Good to have you tuning in tonight at 625. Inside Sports on 630 Chet Hockey. Tomorrow we'll have a best of show on uh, New Year's Day. On Wednesday, uh, hockey on Thursday. And then uh, another edition of Inside Sports on Friday. That is the week ahead. Really appreciate you tuning in. Steve has texted 780-496-0063. Steve says, hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas. I'm 61 years of age. Been an Oilers fan since 1978. I've never been to a game due to circumstances. I got tickets for Christmas to see them play the Flames, and what a disappointment. Unless I got free tickets, I would never do that again. Just kissed $800 goodbye. That is from Steve. Steve, thank you for sharing. I wish I could heal your pain and your disappointment. That was a terrible game. Um, Well, that's the summary. That was a terrible game. The Oilers were poor well, they were tied for 10 seconds. That's the most positive thing I can say about that game. They were tied for 10 seconds. Then Calgary went ahead 11 seconds into the game and uh, and never looked back. Steve, I hope if you ever do attend a sporting event again, 
it's a it's a better experience. Thank you for sharing. Again, I don't know if I'm really helping you, Steve, but you can you know you can you can share. It's okay to share on Inside Sports. Well, not food. Don't just keep your own food. We can share our feelings. John often shares a sense of humor. Hi, John. Hi, Reed. How are you? Quite well. You asked me um, if I had any riddles or one-liners when I called on after the hockey game. I got a couple tonight. Oh, good. My wife and I <clears throat> were talking about New Year's resolutions, so I said, I think you should embrace your mistakes. So she nodded, walked over, and hugged me. Oh, that's touching. And read for the party goers tomorrow night. If the clock strikes 12 midnight and you're missing one shoe, you are not Cinderella, you're drunk, so take a cab home. All right, good advice. I have one positive thought, read on the Oilers. As poorly as Nuge and Leon and Connor have played, you know that they're going to ramp it up. That's a guarantee, so I feel good about that. And Rita, I want to thank you for a wonderful year on Inside Sports. Many amazing interviews, and you almost always make me laugh. So I'm looking forward to 2020, and I hope you are too, Reed. With my best wishes, John. Same to you, John, and I always appreciate when you call, buddy. Take care. Thank you, Reed. That is John, 780-496-0063. And his humor has definitely brought a spark to this show uh, over the last 12 months, for sure. He started in the summer with some golf jokes. Still, my, fav- the, my, my favorite one was one of the first ones he told. I'll tell it here quickly, Kellen. I know John's still listening. I credit John for this material. So a golfer's having an awful round. And... And he uh, hits it. I'm, I'm ruining the joke. I'm ruining the joke, Kellen. He, he, he hits this. Uh, he he hits a bad shot, and he says to his caddy, "If I hit another bad shot, I'm going to jump into that pond and drown myself." And the caddy says, "Do you think you can keep your head down that long?" That's a good golf joke. That is a great golf joke. Uh, plenty of time for your participation in the show. You will hear from Leon Drysital, from Dave Tippett. From Kyler Yamamoto, from William Lagason, all coming up as the Oilers get ready for the Rangers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, Penguins up 3-1 on the Senators. Five minutes left in the second period. That is the only NHL game tonight. It is Monday, which I briefly forgot during the interview with Kelly Rudy, but there is no Monday night football. The NFL season ended last night with uh, San Francisco holding off Seattle to jump all the way up to the top high-stakes game for the 49ers. They were either the number one seed or the number five seed, so they would have had to go on the road. But instead, they get a bye and they get all the, the games at home in the playoffs. Uh, Seattle could have been third or fifth. So they wind up fifth and they're going to have to go play Philly. Who Philly's actually the weakest of the playoff teams in the NFC, even though they get the number four seed. Kellen, we're both uh, Seahawks fans. Mm-hmm. I think the Niners are just better. They oh, have, they are. Their, yeah. de- their defense is great. I mean, they, Seattle couldn't do much in the first half. Obviously, didn't help that. I mean, respect to Marshawn Lynch, but. There's not a lot there. No. I, I mean, that's tough for him coming in. Uh, and Seattle messed up on the half-yard line. 
didn't get their personnel in the game after spiking the ball, so right. they had to go back to the to the five and a half or the six, and or whatever it was. Yeah, and I mean earlier this year, let's face it, the game that they beat, uh, that epic game great on game. Uh, Monday yeah, night, was game. just a, a, probably game of the year up to this point. Yeah. But well, they easily could have lost. San Francisco easily could have won that game. Yeah, they had the lead. The Seattle cut up. The San, San Francisco oh, missed a. That, Field goal. Two two good teams. That was just Russell Wilson just being Russell Wilson, man. That's yeah. it. And, and, and he was good yesterday, too. But I think Garoppolo, it was interesting watching that game, the the Monday night, or I think it was November 11th, Remembrance Day. The, was it, is it Booger McFarland, the commentator on Monday Night Football? I mm. think it was him that was kind of critical of Garoppolo, saying that he's kind of the weakness on the 49ers. I think that might have been a bit of a stretch. And since then... I mean, what he, he beat Breeze head to head, yeah, and that's another game of the year candidate with Kittle making that big mm-hmm. catch and run late in the game, and uh, I mean they're thirteen and three, so he's beat a lot of good quarterbacks, right. including Wilson, and including Breeze. Playoffs are going to be fun, so they will start on uh, set. Patriots got to play. Patriots don't get a bye this week. Uh, Saints uh, Saints are playing, so it's going to be fun for sure. But a uh, tough tough loss for the Seahawks. They just they couldn't. Well, they fell behind. I mean, as yeah. much as you talk about the stuff at the end of the game, they're playing, talk about chasing the game, they're playing catch up the entire game and needed everything to go their way. Yeah, you can't do that this time of year. You can text 630-630. Uh, Dave Leppard writing in, he says, Hi, Reed, Dick David. Did McDavid really lose the skating competition at the Oilers' skills competition? Maybe I heard that wrong. You did not hear that wrong. Joachim Nygaard won by three one-hundredths of a second. So they do a lap. They're not racing side-by-side side or at the same time. They each do a lap. Nygaard was 14.01. McDavid was 14.04. Wow. So it's without a puck. It's a lap of the ice. I, I think in a game situation, you'll take McDavid's speed because with the puck, he doesn't slow down. But I did talk to Nygaard uh, shortly after his race. Pretty good. When I when I went straight, it felt good, but the curls wasn't wasn't so good. But I mean, you haven't warmed up or anything. But it, I mean, it felt good. Some of your teammates were picking you to upset Connor. What did you think of that? Uh, yeah, I didn't agree with them, but <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I know I'm fast straight, but usually I have problems with the curves. But I, I took them pretty well this time, so. All right, thanks for your time. Thanks. All right, I talked to Nygaard after the uh, skills uh, competition yesterday. Matt Benning had hardest shot, 104.1 miles per hour. It was James Neal winning the accuracy shooting. So Patrick Russell didn't miss a target. He went four for four. Neal went four for five, but Neal was quicker in breaking them. So he wins. It took Russell around nine seconds. And Jujar Kara won the king of the shootout. So everybody takes a penalty shot. If you score, you advance to the next round. I th- uh, It was on the third round. It was down to Kara, McDavid, and Shane. And they all, I think they had a round. They all went and they all missed. Then they had a round. They all scored. And then Kara was eventually the only one to score. And they did a breakaway challenge competition, which doesn't always work that well in hockey. So they had three minor hockey youngsters at a table at center ice with the numbers on you know the paddles like they hold them up for the nba dunk competition so it was creativity as well as whether or not you scored so i mean koskin and smith were goofing around a bit trying to stop it Uh, i think it was cassian went in backwards so smith turned around and defended it backwards 
Uh, Cassian had a good one. He went in with two sticks, stick handling back and forth. But Josh Archibald got the highest votes because he has a two-year-old son named Brecken. So he held up Brecken, gave him a little stick, and Brecken pushed the puck in and took the shot and scored. So he he got the highest mark. So that was a it's 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 a it's a fun day. Uh, some some fun texts about Nygaard being McDavid. Yakishev writes in, he says, Reed, do you think McDavid is losing speed in his old age, or is it the weight of the team on his back that is slowing him down? Oh, Yakishev, you never fail to make me laugh. 780-496-0063. You can call or text the show. You know what we can do tonight if we want? It's, it's our last show of 2019. Last show of the decade, too. Oh, I, I'm going to... Kellen, you should not have said that. Decadent now, now you're gonna. Now you're. Now I'm gonna get into something that's gonna just annoy probably everybody. Oh, as if you wanna... not all, as if well, I, I know listening to me just annoys people by default. Uh, but for, I'll tell you what. Seven eight zero. You have to call for this one. Like John, give us a quick sports joke or riddle if you can. Uh-huh. It has to be PG thirteen, or you have to change some of the language. If if you have one, no pressure, no, no prizes. But John has his little sports riddles, 7804960063. Okay, I was going to save this for later in the show, but because you you got me all hashtag triggered. <laughs> all right, this is actually <laughs> This is actually one of the geekiest things I will ever do on this show. And remember, this show has a lot of Star Wars references on it. And and some other stuff. If you really okay, let me put it this way: if if you really wanted to be a stickler, and if you really wanted to maybe kind of annoy people a little bit with all these end of decade lists, what you, what you could hypothetically say to people? Not that I would ever be the one to say it, Kellen. Not that I would ever be the one to say it. Is that this is not. The end of the decade. You know why? What was the first year of our calendar? Year one. Year one. Therefore, the end of the decade was year 10. So a decade goes from the, the year ending in one to the year ending in zero. So the end of the decade is actually a year from now. So when you tell people, well, these people are doing the end of the decade list, you say, whoa, man, why are you doing a list? When there's still a year left in the decade. And then next year, then you could write all your own end of decade lists. I'm just saying hypothetically, if you were that type of person, not that I ever would be. See, I'm the opposite. I'm just saying, (laughs) the first year of our calendar was not year zero. It was year one. So the first full decade was year one to the end of year 10. Right. So following that pattern, this decade would start with 2011 and conclude with 2020, not from 10 to 19. See, I've always gone by, you know, I was born in the 80s, so 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and then we're, I guess, I would consider it tomorrow entering the 2020s. You're following common... You're following common, totally defensible logic. Right. Whereas I'm just being a pest and a moron. Oh, okay. That, that's the difference. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Arthur is going to unleash a sports joke on the audience. Hello, Arthur. 
Hey, how are you? Great show. Thank you. So the sports joke is, why did Rogers play warm-up at the end of the game? Why? Because all the fans left. <laughs> Arthur, it took me a second, but that, that. That, was, that, was, that was pretty good. Okay, okay, now on a slightly serious note, though, are you a? Uh, do you visit Rogers Place? I have been there a few times. Yeah. Now, from a totally serious perspective, though, but we're fooling around too. Are you aware of how freaking cold it is in that building? Well, I have extra insulation, so I find it warm everywhere. You have extra? Oh, are you a? Do you mean you're a larger gentleman, or you wear a lot Correct. of clothes? Okay, yeah, larger gentleman. Yeah. Okay, because it is, <laughs> and I don't. Okay, Arthur, I just I'll preface this by saying. I, I, I'm not saying this to be, you know, complainy about it. I mean, I, I got a great job. I, I love what I do. But in the mornings there, like, it is shockingly cold. Like, oh, I have, yeah, yeah. when I'm covering, when I go up to the broadcast booth after the morning skate, I wear my winter jacket, and sometimes right. I put a toque and gloves on. And, look, I'm not, I'm not looking for sympathy or anything like that. But well, it, oddly enough, I used to build arenas for a living. I used to be one of the guys. There's only two or three contractors in all of Western Canada to do that. And, and I actually was the low-man bid on that Commonwealth uh, outdoor skate game, but they picked the other contractor. Oh, really? Okay. But they used to build arenas much colder. They're much warmer all in all nowadays, let me tell you. So where's, <laughs> where's the team headed here? Uh, they had a good start. They had a decent uh, middle section of their season, and the last 15 games have been bad. Yeah. They, uh, I don't know. we got to get some uh, rabbits, uh, some lucky some lucky rabbit foot or something to get them going again in the right direction for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting tomorrow. Arthur, thank you for the joke. That, that was no a problem. good one. You made me laugh and you made me think, and those are the best ones. <laughs> Take care, guys. All right, that's Arthur at 780-496-0063. Uh, this texter says, uh, has a joke coming in. Now, I have heard this one before. But in the spirit of the season, we'll read it. It's actually not a Christmas, neither a Christmas nor a New Year's joke. (laughs) What does a Maple Leafs fan do after winning the Stanley Cup? Shut off the Xbox, go to bed. (laughs) I I, I have heard that one before, but it uh, never ceases. Why is David Bowles shaking his head at me? I Leafs. think he heard the pun. That's why. Oh, is he is he a Leafs fan? <laughs> oh, I think he is a Leafs fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or he owns a PS4. Leafs, Leafs, are do, Leafs are doing well lately. They've had they got a decent team. But I mean, look, we recognize on a serious note, the Oilers have had. Speaking of decades, they've had one of the worst decades uh, in the history of hockey. All right, this, this was no joke, though it probably made might have made some of you laugh or smirk because it is a, a gentleman who is. Known for outbursts, shall we say? Did you did you hear the John Tortorella stuff, Kellen? I did not, but I heard oh, about it. What's okay, up? Okay, so John Tortorella. So last night, Columbus, the, there was a whistle with the 19.2 seconds left. Well, he, he his contention was the whistle went with 19.2 seconds left in the game, but he said the clock didn't stop until 18.1 seconds remaining, and then. Columbus scored at the horn, and Tortorella said if the clock would have been right, we would have won. Instead, it goes to a shootout. The Blue Jackets lose, and their goalie got hurt in the shootout. So Tortorella was, well, just being Tortorella after the game. The whistle blows. The whistle is blown at 19.2 on the clock. For some reason, the clock has run down 
a second and a tenth to 18.1. For whatever reason, I have no idea. So instead of resetting the clock, we have them tell our captain we're not going to do it. Toronto doesn't step in. Refs don't do their freaking job. And now we lose the game and we lose our goalie. So the chain of events, if it was done right, we don't lose our goalie, we win the hockey game. So all this god technology, right? The technology and getting things right, the stubbornness tonight by the officials and by the league and Toronto, however it's supposed to work, screws us. It's ridiculous. I'm not taking any god all right. Boy, we had a lot of beeps on this show tonight. We had to beep out part of Leon. That that came pre-beeped. I, I, some of the words maybe should have been beeped a little more. Uh, that was John Tortorella after. I, I will say this. Well, there's a few a few things popping in my head out of that. I, I, I will say this. He, he made a good point. We have all this technology to get everything right, and it doesn't always help them get it right. Now, some calls are tough. Some calls are judgment calls. But if the clock, if he thought the clock was wrong, you know, they, they, they certainly could have taken a look at it. I know the NHL says, you know, they're they're not happy for about what Tortorella said and that, that that's how it was handled and they thought it was handled properly. Um, you know, I'm at the point with some of the video review stuff that I, I think it should now just be for goal line technology because there's too many cracks now in what it is. Use it to see whether the whether or not the puck crossed the line. And even that isn't always perfect because there could be a pad or a glove or a player in the way, but most of the time you can tell. And two Oilers games this year, it was really important. I guess in both cases it helped the opposition, but Vancouver had a goal that was waved off, but the replay showed it hit the back bar and came out. And uh, if it was against uh, was against Montreal, Nugent Hopkins took that shot hit the crossbar, and the ref was pointing that it went in, that it hit the back bar. They take a quick look at it, and it didn't. Another thing about Tortorella, remember he coached Vancouver for one year, right? And what that was the year he went over to the Flames dressing room. He was going to fight the whole team during the between between periods. Tortorella is a very interesting guy. We, we have heard him go off like that before. We have also at times heard him be extremely intelligent and thorough and um, warm in interviews too. So you kind of get the the two sides of him. Uh, and I think it's him. He and his family are big into, I think, dog rescue and, and helping pets and stuff like that. So that's mm-hmm. you know, very kind. But he does stuff like that. And I was just thinking, like, I don't – like, I, could he coach a Canadian team? And I'm not saying there's not media coverage in the States, because there is. I mean, that's to me, that's a bit of an arrogant Canadian hockey fan thing to say, well, no one cares. People do care in the States, but they don't care to the same extent. So, I mean, people were at that news conference hearing him say all those things, but probably there wouldn't be as many people covering the practice the next day or the morning skate the morning of the game. So could he, if he coached in Canada again, could he really be like that? You know, or would just everything he did be being picked apart so much? And here, here's what I just imagined from having hosted Overtime Open Line for six and a half years and getting, you know, fan reaction right after the game. If an Oilers coach was that demonstrative after a game, like was that, was used that type of language and, and was that peeved about something, I think we'd probably have 
a lot of fans, maybe half, saying good for that coach to tell it like it is. But I also think we'd have a lot of fans saying, I can't believe this guy is representing the city and the team. Like, that's just, too, it's unprofessional to do it and maybe do it as, as, as often as Tortorella does sometimes. Whereas in Columbus, that's, well, it's going to be on the news and, you know, sure, you'll have the blue, hardcore Blue Jackets fans talking about it, but I, I think it's just a blip and then it'll go away. You know, if they got Ohio State football, as Chris and I were talking at the end of the afternoon news. Just something that popped into my head after hearing that, that I don't know, because if a Canadian coach, I mean, here's the thing, Tortorella's clips still get played on all the top 10 countdowns, all the Brooksy, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, but I, I just think that, I, I don't know, and, and Vancouver decided they couldn't after more than a year. I don't know if that would fly as much in a Canadian market when the scrutiny is that much more insane. Anyway, uh, 780-496-0063. You can call or text. Uh, comments on the Oilers, memories of the past year, your favorite sports joke or riddle. All are inbounds tonight. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, this texture says John Tortorella could replace Don Cherry on Coach's Corner. That would be interesting. Uh, this texture says, I think some sports commentators would agree Connor McDavid is wasting his young years. I, I, would, I would actually think it's, it's the Oilers who have wasted the years of some good players, going back to Taylor Hall. I don't think Connor McDavid himself is wasting his years. Uh, this is a good, it took me a second to get this joke too here, but I, I think I figured it out. It comes in from the Otwell Oiler. What did the elephant say to the naked Calgary Flames fan? How do you breathe through that thing? We'll just leave that one. Took me a couple minutes, but I got it. Uh, this texture says, have you talked about the joke that the Eskimo schedule is? The support for Thursday and Friday night games on this station was gross. Now most are gone, yet we are still stuck with night games on a weekend. Oh, is, that, is that Bacon Man? Is that the guy that always hates the Eskimo schedule? Uh, I believe the Eskimos have one Thursday night home game this year. A lot of Friday and Saturday games. I'm not sure what this... what this. I, I can't remember when he wants the the games, but he doesn't seem to be... I, I think this fan would be happier if there just wasn't a schedule. I, th- I think that's... I think that would really satisfy... Or maybe if the CFL just phoned him and said, you can make the schedule yourself. Uh, I actually don't. I, I actually am not a huge fan of the Thursday night games, but they're going to have them, so you got to spread them around. My argument always was, okay, you got nine home games. If you, you're going to have to play one or two on a Thursday, because that's what what TV wants and what the league wants. I believe the Thursday night is the home opener, isn't it? It not? is the home opener against yeah. the BC Lions. The Eskimos play games: uh, a Thursday night home game, a Saturday night home. I'll just do the home games: Thursday night, Saturday night. Friday night, Friday night, Friday night, Saturday at 5, Saturday at 5, Saturday at 5, Saturday at 2. That's the schedule. Guy still doesn't like him. I don't know what to tell you. 
Yes, it's Bacon Man, and read the entire text to make your point. I read your entire text. Have you talked about the joke that the Eskimo schedule is? The support for Thursday and Friday night games on this station was gross. Now most are gone, yet we are still stuck with night games on weekends. Uh, that's the entire text I see from you, Bacon Man. If there's something else, maybe it hasn't come yet, but that's what I got. Just tell me when you want the games, and I'll tell Randy Ambrosi next time I have them on. Because I, I, Bacon Man, in all seriousness, and maybe you're joking around with me, but we've done this dance before. Tell me when you want the games. You've told me when you don't want the games. Tell me when you want the games. Tell me your first choice, second choice, and third choice for the day and time of an Eskimos home game. And I'll pass that on to Randy Ambrosi. Okay, don't tell me what you don't want. Tell me what you do want. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.